Welcome to Travelog.tv and to a chat about a beautiful, fascinating place in the foothills of the northern Drakensberg mountain range in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, Three Tree Hill Lodge. The visual focus is the large, looming Spionkop Hill, where an awful battle took place between Boers and Brits on the 23rd to the 24th of January, 1900. The surrounding area and beautiful, peaceful game reserve below make such a bloody encounter seem improbable. And if you turn and walk in the opposite direction, over the crest of the hill behind the lodge, the view is equally lovely. On this morning's game walk, owner Simon Blackburn had a surprise answer for me. Historically, visitors here came because of the battlefields in KwaZulu-Natal. I asked whether, with the passing of time and generations, interest in the history of the area had waned. His answer was no. Simon, I think for anyone listening, with an interest not necessarily in history, but life, your answer presented an interesting perspective. Oh, thanks, Adrian. I hated history at school. And for a long time after school, I hated history. And I, I had the misfortune, I think, of having history so appallingly taught to me at school. But a couple of things happened that changed that, that changed it for me. You know, Cheryl and I were looking to buy this lodge, which is primarily a, a, a destination for history lovers. Um, and we looked at it and thought, gee, but this place is absolutely beautiful. It's stunning, but I don't know the first interest in history um, whatsoever. And so we walked away from it. And then a little after that, uh, a, a dear friend of my late mother's, Molly Blackburn, um, her name was Di Oliver. And she gave me a set of the David Rattray audio CDs. And I started listening to that. Uh, the, the, it's called The Day of the Dead Moon. It's absolutely fascinating. He probably is one of the best storytellers that South Africa has ever had. Maybe the world has ever seen. Absolutely riveting. Now, this happened at a time for me when we had two children uh, at that stage. They were about eight to nine years old. And when I became a father which was a momentous occasion for me, I began to realize an important thing at the same time. I was no longer seemingly immortal. For the first time in my life, I was worried about my children and they meant everything to me. And as a result, this notion of immortality disappeared. And I, and I think that happens with a lot of people who become parents. But you know, anyone who's been young, male, you do all sorts of idiotic and stupid things, and most of you survive, um, and, and this was me. And all of a sudden, I started wondering about my legacy, what, what people would think of me after I, I've gone. And I started wondering about my, my forefathers, my forebearers, what they had done and what their legacy was, and the, the life that they had lived in, the Victorian era for some of them, and those before that even, how, how they lived, what they did, how they grew up and what situations they were faced with and their successes and their loves and hates and all those things that, that drove them. And in the context of that, all of a sudden, this history that I was now listening to, David Rattray telling this incredible story of the Anglo-Zulu War, it became much more meaningful for me. and. All of a sudden, history became fascinating. 
And ever since that time, the end of 2007, I've been reading and listening and watching as much as I can about South African history and, of course, everything to do with the Anglo-Boer War. I imagine that initially, your main overseas market would have been people wanting to know more about their forebears. And for the local market, Afrikaans or people of British descent. That's on the historical side. I also imagine a lot of people come here simply to unwind. It's so beautiful here. So when we bought the lodge, um, our market was almost exclusively battlefield enthusiasts. And it was like a, for quite some time, South African as well as British. And occasionally you'd have an American or a European who's interested in battlefield history that would come here as well. And what we realized then, although that was a nice market to be in, it's a pretty small niche. And it makes you, as a, as a business like ours, a little lodge, quite vulnerable. So as a result, we took the decision to try and broaden the audience, try and broaden the market appeal for the guests that would come here. And so we started, uh, first of all, changing our behavior a little bit while we still do now the battlefield tours we also offer other activities that would appeal to people who have no interest in battlefield tours at all like mountain biking um, horse trails we've got about 30 kilometers of nature trails that you can guide yourself around um, we do other things too like wine tasting we've got an extensive uh, library called the molly blackburn library named in, in honor of my late mum and uh, at a huge wine cellar below the library for more than a thousand uh, bottles of wine. So uh, hopefully it's going to be a good investment for us. We'll wait and see. We do wine tastings with a collection of more than 30 craft gins that my wife rather carefully has hidden away from me now during this lockdown period. But she does, she does gin tastings here, which is a lot of fun uh, as well. And as a consequence... What we have found is that the appeal of the lodge now is to a broader audience. We also offer activities for kids, for example, and our biggest growth has been in uh, British and European families traveling together. So family travel is something that's really picked up over the years, and there is a consensus that families that travel together stay together. I've been here before. I was here nine years ago, and things were very different then. And by that, I mean it was full board in the twin bed cottages, and there was one family cottage. That model has changed, where you've added on fantastic self-catering cottages. And when I say cottages, small houses actually. I recall specifically driving in and there were lots of cars parked here and they all had kids' bicycles and other people's bicycles strapped on the back. And you know what? The kids didn't touch them. They were running around with burnt sticks, either drawing with glowing light in the dark around the fire, drawing pictures in the air, or, or just running around with these sticks. They were doing what children are meant to be doing and just having fun. As you said, Simon, they free range around here. Yeah, one of, the, one of our sort of USPs is, is that you, you can come here and disconnect to reconnect. So in, in one of our USPs is we don't have Wi-Fi all over the place here and there's not, not much connectivity. The only place where you can come and connect is here in the library where we're sitting now. But um, the idea is that you, you don't have kids uh, attached to and, and bonded to their devices. They run around and barefoot and they're in the felt and on the swings and uh, walking the dogs and riding the horses and doing things that kids are supposed to be doing and not actually fixed to their devices. I have to say, 
the battlefield story was very moving. I wiped away a few tears hearing the human stories. And I'm of Norwegian extract. So neutral if you like, with no family connections to the events. And that was with you as a guide, Simon. Very impressive. And you've extended your range as it were. Because you now have a resident historian, Ron Gold, staying here at Three Tree Hill. We're very lucky to have uh, Ron and his wife Sandy here. And Ron is, in my opinion, one of the best all-round battlefield guides in South Africa. And he guides not just the Anglo-Boer War, but Anglo-Zulu War, as well as all the conflicts that happened before and after that. Things like the Bombata Rebellion, the, the, the Zulus fighting against the Four Trekkers here in 1838, and the Battle of Blood River, all those other interesting uh, conflicts. He covers those as well. We're very, very lucky to have him here as an awesome storyteller. And people can find out just how good. You've got a series of YouTube videos featuring Ron that you put together. Yes, I, I do, and you're right. We've got um, a, a YouTube channel that's dedicated to Three Tree Hill. Uh, and on that, you, if you just uh, search in YouTube for Ron Gold History Talks, he's doing a series of 10 talks as an introduction and a build-up to the Battle of Spionkop. Each of them are fairly short, uh, about six or eight minutes long, but absolutely compelling. And uh, I urge you to have a look at those. You can download them. You can, you can subscribe. Fascinating stories. I'll backtrack to what I said earlier. It's hard to conceive that in such a peaceful valley, the worst or the most devastating battle for both sides in the Second Anglo-Boer War took place. Tell us more about that. We look up to the massive of Spionkop, and right on top of Spionkop, the Battle of Spionkop was fought on the 24th of January 1900. It would be the worst single day's battle for both the British and the Boers. They both had massive losses during the war, and for the British particularly, it would give them a taste of what the troops in the trenches would suffer in the First World War, that absolutely devastating conflict. The British had about 1,600 casualties in a single day's fight. In fact, they were fighting only for about 18 hours. The Boers had about 160 casualties, and that, that sort of ratio of about 7 to 10 to 1 casualty of the Boers is about normal for most of the sort of pitched battles that the British and the Boers fought against each other in the South African War or the Second Anglo-Boer War. We've just been talking about Ron Gold, and here he is, just stepped into the library after guiding a group on the battlefield. Welcome, Ron. Good timing. Tell me, how did you become a renowned battlefield guide? Thank you, Adrian. Um, that's a good question, you know. I think many of us stumble into this kind of a field by accident, and that is, that's really my story. A, um, a lifelong interest in military history uh, led me to start visiting battlefields, and people wanted to come with me, and the next thing, um, here I am. And the, uh, the fascination is, is ongoing. I was asking Simon about the people who usually visit the battlefields. But along with that, are the visits affected because colonial history isn't the most politically correct topic these days? What's your take? The audience is predominantly international and of the international market it is probably 90% from the United Kingdom who still have a, an ending fascination with the achievements and the non-achievements of the Victorians. Uh, happily we're getting more and more locals coming out. Um, not as many Afrikaners as I would like. Uh, maybe they do visit the battlefields with Afrikaans-speaking guides. I rather hope they do, because um, tremendous sacrifices were made by the early settlers, by the Boer people. And they always made those sacrifices for the benefit of the generations to come. 
we can look back at some of the things that people did in history. And uh, there is an unfortunate tendency to make moral judgments today about what happened yesterday. And that's not particularly meaningful. History happened. Whether it should have happened that way or not, um, we can debate that endlessly. And I think, I think it's more appropriate for people to come and see and hear. And if what you hear offends you, well, that's fine. But at least you've seen and you now have a foundation on which to build your, uh, your judgments. You've been doing this a long time, Ron. Do you think that visitors fully understand the driving forces behind what transpired? Or was it a jolly day out in the country? Or two or three, what with Rourke's Drift and Isantlwana not far off? A romantic affair with the past, perhaps? Yes, it's, that's a good point you bring up. Because, you know, I think there is a tendency to, to regard Battlefield's tours as a form of entertainment, which is, which is true. Um, uh, they are stories of daring do. But the bottom line is really the horror of war. And, uh, and that's something that we do try to get across to balance things, is that in past centuries, the um, nobility, who were generally the officer class, sold the populations on the concept of the nobility of war, of the splendor of the charge, and the opportunities for young officers to uh, obtain recognition and medals, etc. But the common cattle who slogged along through the mud, uh, it wasn't quite like that. And here at Spienkopf in particular, it was probably a battle that exploded once and for all that myth of the glory of war. There was no glory here. It was such a horrific encounter for both sides that at first both Boer and British forces thought they'd lost the day. It was horrific and uh, it is possible that the first time the British public were exposed to the reality of battle was when photographs taken by a French photographer traveling with the Boers. Now, British um, photographers' correspondence would never, ever have been permitted to take photographs like that. But that photograph was apparently published in French newspapers, some copies of which found their way across the channel. And suddenly, um, the, the Victorian matrons realized it wasn't about unmarked young officers being welcomed, welcomed into heaven by winged cherubs, um, it was about blood and gore and body parts and flies and, and all the unpleasant things. Nothing new under the sun? Or is it just that war is good for business? Nothing has changed. The other thing too, you know, is that you, you, know, you mentioned Spienkopi, St. Luana, Rockstrift. There are many other sites, you know, and at times like this, uh, local people, Afrikaner people, um, shouldn't forget that there are many sites in this province directly linked to the Voortrekker Zulu period. Not only the Battle of Blood River, which is quite well known, there are, there are other sites. And of course there was that, that um, amazing little war, so sometimes called the First Boer War, um, Transvaal War of Independence, if you want to split hairs. But um, only four battles were fought during that war, and three of those battles are all within sight of one another in the northern part of this province. And uh, what a weekend that is to, to go up to Newcastle, there's good accommodation there, and hear those stories and visit those sites and climb Majuba. The Battle of Majuba was, in the words of the Secretary of War of the time, the most humiliating route in the long annals of the British military. Well, 
maybe, maybe not. But it's a battle that took place at over 7,000 feet. I'm not quite sure what that is in meters. It's an incredible day out. It's an amazing walk, climb, a great story, and you can see forever. So there's my commercial plug. <laughs> Ron, your YouTube videos. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, well, I think we as a, as a lodge community, if I can use that, um, decided to obviously uh, try to draw the attention of the um, traveling public to, to this lodge. And one of the things, one of the attractions is, of course, that we write in the heart of the South African War historical period. So the idea behind the, the video series is to um, hopefully get people to buy into it, to um, click on it and, and listen to the stories. And it actually seems to be working because the sixth in the series, which we've been posting it every Saturday, and for technical reasons, it hasn't gone up yet. And I, I'm getting queries from people saying, where is the sixth one? Now, that's very encouraging because that it tells me that at least somebody's watching them. <laughs> yeah. So it seems to be working. So we, we, we've made six. We'll probably stop at ten. As Cheryl said, it's a nice round figure. And, um, and then I'm going to start posting my own little um, shorter excerpts on YouTube on, on the Zulus, on the Zulu Nation. Uh, they're, they're marvelous uh, stories of the Zulus. It's myth and it's legend and it's, uh, it's highly entertaining. Thanks, Ron. And thanks to Three Tree Hill owners Simon and Cheryl Blackburn. You can read more about Three Tree Hill Lodge and other fantastic destinations on travelodd.tv and citizen.co.za.